right, so how are we all doing? Feeling good? Nice and, nice and comfy on the couch? Let's this go. is going to be interesting, you guys. <laughs> I'm excited. All right, well, starting out with these questions, I want to start off with, how would I say, the, the most experienced married couple on the Yeah, on the so I'm, I think you're going to look at this side, not yeah. Mark. <laughs> it's on this side. Definitely not I, this side. I'm this, this side. Pat agrees with me. It's on this side. So, Pastor Hal and Chrissy, so... Just talking in... Wait, 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 wait. Let's just pause for a second. Uh, we, we've got we, an honor. We are the most experienced married There you go. That. How long have you guys been married, Mike? We've been married 17 years. Come on, Can somebody. we stop using the word experience? Now, I will, I will say they've been, they fought a lot more than us, but we've been married longer than them. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so I'll start off with them, and then you could top, top the answer. So, Pastor Alan Chrissy, so just talking in general, what are some common problems that you've seen over time that, that couples face, and what are some of the, the best things that you've seen to resolve those, those issues? Just like main, main things. Are you talking about dating couples or married couples? I was just saying the, the whole concept of relationships. Like, what's something that really sticks out to you? Oh, there we go. Thank you. Is it my mic? Uh, anyway, so uh, communication is always the, the case. It's always fun uh, learning to communicate um, and walk through things. And, and really, even on top of that, would, uh, would be expectations. I think one of the biggest things that kills relationships is always expectations. Because going into a relationship, you always have these expectations of the other person that you don't even tell them. Or many times, you don't even realize you have of it. Like, you have expectations going into marriage of who that person is going to be. And many times, when they don't meet that expectation... Uh, there, there creates a, a problem, and then if you have bad communication, you're not talking through it or even realizing what the, the basis of that problem would be. But do you, do you agree with me? I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything else to add? My, this is my but elder over here, Mike. Do you have anything else to add <laughs> to, to what we have to say? No, I, you know, I think, I think one of the things, so in, in marriage, and I think this is true in relationships, that I think some of the challenge with the communication going through it is, you know, we, we all get stuck doing things a certain way. And, and I think one of the things, one of the keys to a healthy relationship is getting to a place where you're always focused on having a growth mindset where like you're never set in anything. Like some people talk about, well, we like, how, how are we going to know it's going to work? And I think so much of it is if both people in the relationship are just determined that no matter what, we're gonna talk about it, we're gonna have the hard conversations, we're not gonna get stuck. Yeah. I think that idea of being open to growing um, is such a big deal. So I think in communication, that growth mindset is so huge. And I would say looking for that in the person that you're dating is a big deal. Like when you're having conversations that get tough, do they just shut down? Like what, what, what is their response to that? So yeah. Right, one thing Mike has said kind of to that is if a topic becomes off limits, then you know you've got some problems. Like there should be no topic off limits to be able to talk through. That's good. And going off of that, how do I know if I'm ready to be in a relationship? And I'm gonna start over here on this side with Pastor Pat. How do I know if I'm ready to be in a relationship? And then, yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I feel like um, to know that you're ready to be in a relationship, I think you have to be mature. Um, I think maturity is a big deal. And I think you have to be really comfortable with who you are and know who you are. Um, if you have no idea who you are, um, I'm, I have no idea how you could be in a relationship. Um, because you will probably not find healthy people. You will probably get connected with people that are maybe toxic or even you become codependent. Like all of a sudden really just need to be around this person constantly. 
um, you'll start losing yourself. If you don't know who you are, you'll start losing yourself. All of a sudden, everything he likes is what you like, um, and everything you want to do is what he wants to do or what she wants to do. Um, so I think when you know that you're ready to be in a relationship is when you've spent time really getting to know how God created you. Um, and once you know how God created you, I think that's a healthy time to get into a relationship. That's good. I think Michelle wants to add something. Yeah, oh, is it working? Yeah. I'll add on to that. Um, I think another thing, too, I'll make it short. Um, if you're okay going into that relationship whole but also leaving that relationship whole, and if that relationship doesn't work out, then you, you're not shaken, um, I think that's a good thing to ask yourself. Um, yeah. That's good. So, Mark, we haven't heard from you yet. So, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> what, is, what does it look like? It's a two-parter. So, what does it look like to, to maximize our singleness? And how do you find contentment in being single? <laughs> um, how, what did we say we weren't going to say last week? Singleness is a gift. Like no one yeah, wants nobody gift. likes that gift. No, so. one, no one wants that gift. So nobody asked for it. We won't. <laughs> I don't want this gift. Um, I think to Pat's point, I, I feel like she kind of, you know, spoke directly to that. The biggest piece is identity, knowing who you are in Christ. And I think so many people, uh, we have this idea when it comes to our singleness, um, we kind of rush through it going, I'm incomplete because I don't have someone in my life. And, and we rush through that season hoping and believing that that person that we'll jump in a relationship with completes us. Right. When I get in that relationship, things will get better or I can make more sense of my life or I'll have a vision for my future. But I think that we've got to reverse some of that and understand fulfillment isn't found in man. It's found in the person of Jesus. And we've got to start in that place and all things flow from that place. I think that when it comes to singleness, uh, we've got to feel content with that season. We've got to be confident in that season. We've got to understand who God's created and called me to be first. And then when I'm able to walk in that in confidence, then we can maybe talk about inviting someone else into the picture. Right. Amen. And I, I agree with you guys. You know, me, myself, I've been single for a very long time. And I'm just now starting to allow myself to get out of my comfort zone. Because Did you guys, did you guys hear that? She's single. So, She's available. <laughs> yeah. Just pointing out there. You heard know. that. You heard and that right. Anyways. Just, just one thing real quick um, <laughs> is to find relationship because I think – in both of those questions, it, you need to find good relationship with people that are going in the same direction as you. Because one of the other ways that you can find out whether or not you're ready for dating are the people that love you and care about you think you're also ready for dating. Yeah. Um, especially for those of you that come out of really tough relationships. Because some of you come out of really tough relationships and you need to lean into the people around you to figure out whether or not you're ready for that. And, and let me add to that. I think that a, a good point of that. I think a lot of us in the room, and I, I meet with so many of you, you come from uh, broken homes. And you've never seen a healthy marriage. Um, and I think that it's so important. Maybe that's you. Michelle and I both come from that. Uh, it's so imperative that you really understand what a healthy biblical marriage and relationship looks like and get that framework before you rush to the altar and try and arrive at your own notion as to what that's to look like. I think that so many of us, we, we kind of build our idea off of a relationship based off of what we come from. And so many of us today... We don't come from uh, strong foundations that are built from the word of God. And that's something that we have to get a hold of before we rush towards the altar. Yeah. So I'm going to switch the subject real quick. Mm. 
If you have fallen into sexual sin, what are some steps to move forward without shame? Can God still bless our relationship? And hold on, I know you want to jump on it, but I want to hear, hold on. How do you, do you just fall into sexual, like, oh no. <laughs> I want to I hear first from, from Chrissy, and then you could take over. Oh man, that is a tough question. I need to ask again. I think what comes to mind first is a lot of times, at least I could speak on behalf of girls, um, is what we're seeking is connection, and we end up seeking that through physical relationship. What we're really desiring is connection, but sometimes that connection is also to fill a void of something else that we're missing out on, whether that is affirmation or validation or love, or just acceptance. We're searching for that connection, or to be affirmed or validated, but we end up leading with our physical self, which ends up getting us into a situation that we never intended to be in. So I think it would be obviously stopping, taking a step back, and kind of checking, having a heart check of, hey, what's, what was my motive? What was my agenda? What am I feeling right now that is getting myself into that situation and maybe what do I need to backtrack and go back and work on and and maybe heal parts of me that still need to be healed so the question was if you have fallen into sexual sin fall yeah what are some steps to move forward without shame and can God still bless the relationship okay so one of the big things that you got to be able to do is set very real boundaries um, because you're going to fall into it again you're, you slip. If, Catch me. You, you, I, we talked about this the other week. Like, it is not a good, healthy thing to hang out with someone alone with the lights off, like, and think that you're not going to do something that you don't want to do. Like, it's, or, or that you want to do, but you're not supposed to do. And so, what you have to do is you have to take really, like, very strict step of boundaries and set them up and so you're not hanging out in those places. And what you've got to be able to do is take a step back and go, all right, do we still like each other when sex doesn't solve our problems? And, and that's always the thing that comes into place, and that's always the hard thing to understand. Because here's the other side. When you set those boundaries and you stop having sex, you're like, well, we, we're fighting more. Yes, these are all the fights that you would have had before that you didn't because sex solved the problem. And so you've got to set up very real boundaries and be honest with each other and have real conversations and find out whether or not this is something you can go forward with. Can God still bless it? Absolutely. God can forgive. God can go forward. But I would say this. You need to make sure you take the step back and get to know each other without sex in the picture to see whether or not you guys are really something that can make it in marriage or you were just in a relationship that felt like it was right because the physical was there. Yeah, and I think this side wants to say something. The girls in the room, the guys in the room, like God is a God of redemption. Like God is a God of redemption. I wish when I was 20 years old that I knew that. I didn't know that God was a God of redemption. I thought He was angry at me because I messed up. I thought He was not going to bless me because I messed up. So I felt like I really didn't, you know, I know it was such a lie and it was such a weird lie to believe, but I felt like, you know, this was it. Like I was not in an awesome relationship, but I had already, you know, I had already had sex. This is what I was doing. He wasn't awesome, but he was okay. Um, and then I ended up marrying that person because I really did not believe that God was the God of redemption and that he was going to forgive me. I didn't. 
so might as well, you know, let me marry it so I, we can get better. Like, well, then God will redeem it, or maybe then God will bless it. Um, he did not. <laughs> he did not bless it. Um, and I didn't marry someone I was supposed to marry. Um, and so I really need you guys to hear that God, if you've made a mistake, like God is the God of redemption. We just sing it. Like you can ask for forgiveness um, and you will, and you're whole again, and then do those things and yeah. then get into healthy relationships with amazing boundaries and don't find yourself in that situation again. Cause I'm telling you, if I had it to do all over again, I mean, I knew I grew up with morals. I had such great moral compass. Um, but I fell in love and that's, you know, and I'm like, well, this is the guy I'm going to marry. And then when we, we didn't date long enough before we fell into that temptation, but I was like, well, this is it. Like, I don't want to have sex with more than one person. I don't, I said I was only going to, I was going to marry this person. And then that's what I ended up doing. And it was a huge, oh, I'm not even going to say it was a mistake because I have three amazing kids from it. So Woo! it was not, <laughs> it was yeah. not a mistake. but, um, and I wouldn't do anything over again, but. I would definitely look at you guys and say, please do not make that mistake. So God is the God of redemption. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you actually brought up marriage. Um, my next question, I want to direct over to the ashes. So, you know, if you're engaged, how long should you wait to get married? Is there a timeline? What, what are you thinking? I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all <laughs> answer for that. Um, we were engaged for four and a half months. So wow. How long did we date? Four and a half months. So we were together nine months before we got married. But, again, like... <laughs> Wait, but you guys knew each other for a good period of time before yes. that. You didn't meet. No, we yes. had known each other I for years. I, I need to make There's sure people hear that. Yes, okay. yes. I mean, but my parents knew each other. They dated a month. They were married after three. So, but anyway. But, um, you know, I think that it just depends. Like, how well do you know the person? Have you had all the hard conversations? And we knew because we were both a little older we both you know been seriously dating and he was actually even engaged and so we didn't want to just date to date we didn't want to put the other person through something that we were not willing to go the distance with and so we asked each other all the hard questions we hung out with our best friends and asked them are there any red flags do you see anything we hung out in groups we went to church we did church things so we made sure that we were in environments where we could see each other, really know each other, like I was talking about, and then just knowing that this was the path that, you know, God had wanted for us, and so we pursued that. Yeah. Can, I, can I just add, dating is the time to get to know somebody, engagement is not, mm -hmm. and so, like, you don't get engaged thinking, I'll get to know this person now. Um, engagement is the worst part of any relationship. Because you've already decided you're going to get married, but you're not married yet. And here's why I say this. That's why I usually say, hey, like, get engaged when you're ready to marry that person. And then just trust me on this. Shorter engagements are better. Um, I have had many of young adult in my living room going, can you just marry us right now? We made a mistake. It's way too far away. I'm being dead serious. So I always say a year or under, unless there's, like, extenuating circumstances, which there are sometimes. Um, but like, that, that don't get engaged until you know that's what's gonna, what you're gonna do. Like, engagement is not the time to. Maybe we'll figure this out. Okay. And, and Pastor Mike, if you're if you're comfortable with it, is there a little bit more to your engagement story that you'd be comfortable sharing with everybody? I would love to share this story. So I was engaged <laughs> before before Lane and I were together. Um, I was I dated a girl and we got engaged, and I thought she was it. 
And, and it was interesting because I had some people sit down with me, and only two, this is the weird part of the story, only two people sat down and said, hey, man, I don't think she's the right one. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's okay. No, it'll, we'll make it work. We'll figure it out. Like, I talked myself into it. And what they said was, and this is big, because if you grew up in a home that was, that was a mess, and a lot of us have, my parents were divorced when I was young. My mom was married to an alcoholic guy most of our lives. And the way our house handled things was screaming and violence. And so I was engaged to a girl. When we got into a fight, homegirl got crazy, like crazy. And it was just normal for me. It was normal. And so for me, it was like, no, we're good, and this is just the way it is. And they said, hey, that's the way you thought it should be, and this is the way you grew up. But just because you grew up with that does not mean that's what you want. And, that, and it's not going to be good for you. And so, and so we were supposed to get married in November, and I finally broke up with her in September. So it was like two months before the wedding. I know, it was terrible. So, so, but, but honestly, for me, she kept the ring, and it, I would pay ten times the amount not to be married to her today. I mean, it was worth it all day long. But, and here's, here's what I'll say, because I think, I think sometimes we go, hey, how do we know? You've got to get some people around you that are wise, that are ahead of you. And you need to sit down. And here's what I would encourage you with. Because then, then when Leanne and I started dating, we said, all right, we're going to get with some people. And they have veto power. Like, they have a wisdom side that we trust that they're going to hear from God and see red flags. And because we're so infatuated, maybe we won't see. So we're just going to trust that if they go, hey, this ain't right. We're just going to go, you know what? We're going to look really deep into it and possibly even step away from each other. We didn't have anyone do that, but we just said, because here's, here's the thing. <laughs> We're not good at picking people. Like, we don't know. We need community of people around us to help us find the right person. You should not pick on your own. And so, so that was a big deal, being engaged, going through that. And then here's what I'll say, because people ask all the time, okay, if I see someone in a relationship that's not right, what do you do? The phrase that I've adopted is, and this is a very, this is more of an art than a science, is there are moments in time where you have to put the friend above the friendship. And you have to say, I care more about you than our relationship. And so I'm going to say the hard thing that probably nobody else is saying because the path I see you on, regardless of who they're dating or the lifestyle they live, but I am going to risk our friendship in order to help you as an individual and you may never talk to me again. And I've had one couple in premarital counseling, and I told them, you guys should not get married. And they never talked to me again. And they're divorced now, but they, that's beyond the point. But there are moments in time where you just you have to put the friend above the friendship. That's good. Uh, I'm sorry. I know I'm adding a lot of stuff. Um, you, you, right. you, know Mike, Mike, you are adding a lot of stuff tonight. Mike, Mike talked about it. Time. We've talked about it. For some of you in here, you don't have a couple that loves Jesus that's older than you, that you are around, and you got to find that. You're like, how do I find that? Go up to a couple, and you're like, you have a great marriage. Can, can I hang out with your family? I know that feels weird and awkward, but you have to start somewhere. Christy and I have had many young adults in our living room with the person that they want to marry going, this is the couple that we, you will need to make sure you impress because they're the ones that are going to give me this, the right answer, because my parents don't love Jesus. My parents don't have a good marriage, so I need to find that kind of couple. It, it is okay to find that couple and ask them. They would love the fact that you think that they have a good marriage. So anyway. Anything else? Are you sure that was it? I'm giving you a chance right now. 
Do you really want me to talk more? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I'm moving on. I'm moving on to this side. To this side. Okay. He kind of touched it a little bit, but we need some steps to this. How can I leave the relationship I am in in a God-honoring way? That's a hard one. Leave. Um, I'm, but it's one word. Just be honest. Just be honest. You know what? And all you have to say is, you are not God's best for me. That's it. Doesn't mean that you. Oh, there's going to be some conversations tonight. No. What you I can't me? wait. We gotta talk. That you are not God's best. You are God's best, but you're not God's best for me. How many times? That was a good answer. Amen. Amen. I, you I had your chance. Don't put the mic back up. You had your chance. Keep good it right answer. there. Right good there. Good answer. Good job. Is that Family Feud? Did you yes. talk about being on Family Feud? <laughs> um, I think that's a great answer. I think to be honest, and you are not God's best for me. That's what I. If I was in a relationship, that's what I would say. You are God's best. You are an amazing person. You are awesome. You're just not God's best for me. Um, and, and because, why are you guys laughing at my answer? I didn't laugh at your answer when you are just going along. We love your we love answer, your answer. We love it. Okay, I'm going to put my mic up, but uh, it's, uh, that's my answer. You're not God's best for me. Yeah. I'm confident in my answer. I, I, the, the reason, Pat, the reason why I'm laughing is because, because we know there are some people who are like, that's the line I'm going to use later. Like, that's <laughs> it. So, Well, I wanted to actually do the flip to that. So, Mark, Michelle, I want to ask you this. So, if you've been broken up with, how do you deal with that in a godly way? <laughs> what if I've never been broken up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> You can smack him. Smack him, Michelle. Oh, boy. I feel like Hal should answer this one. No. He's looking, he's looking down. He's, he's <laughs> I'll answer any question you give me. No. <laughs> well, they just weren't God's best for me. <laughs> so the question is, ask that again, Dan. So if you've been broken up with, how do you deal with a breakup in a godly way? My wife wants to answer Don't this. Don't stalk them. <laughs> um, I think it's to see it as something good um, because now that that's over with um, we can move forward truly with like okay well one always assess number one don't feel shame like oh there's something wrong with me like that is a lie from the pit of hell there's there's nothing inherently like wrong with you like oh my gosh you're a horrible person it's a hey there's no connection we really don't see this moving forward be happy and glad that you figured that out now instead of it in being in an engagement season or married. Listen, I want to remove the stereotype that every, every married couple that you see has it figured out, that doesn't struggle, that doesn't have undealt with baggage. Hello. That should have been dealt with before marriage. So I say um, praise God for it, honestly. That's my answer for that. I always told my kids that rejection was God's protection. That's what I said. I said, you know what? Good answer, Pat. Thank you. Good Thank, you. Thank you. Pat, you Thank win. You. you win. You're going to the fast money. I know. I mean, this is like the, the money route right now. <laughs> um, that was the number one answer. That was the number one answer. <laughs> no, I, that's what I said. I'm like, you know what? You know, and after a while, I think you look back at those relationships and you're like, oh my gosh, God really did protect me from that. Yeah. Like, you can, like, you can say that, Mike. Like, you know, God really protected you from a marriage that wasn't going to be great. I think if you can look
look at that instead of believing the lie of I'm not good enough, I wasn't good enough for him or her, like she rejected me, like what do I have to do to fix myself? Like, no, like, like thank you, God, for protecting me from something because there's something better to come. That's what I would believe. Yeah, and I think uh, each and every one of those failed relationships, um, it's a moment for you to take inventory of what could we or what could I have done differently. I think sometimes, um, you know, to the answers from Pat and Michelle, like those are great answers, but it's so easy to just be like, you know what, forget it, on to the next type of thing. But it's important to take inventory, what went well, what didn't go well. Each and every season, it's a learning opportunity, right? And I think we need to see it as that. And I think that as you continue to go about dating, so many of us, when we experience a failed relationship, and that relationship didn't work out, or they broke up with me, what do we do? We find a rebound. And I think that when you, you kind of find yourself on the chase of finding a rebound, it's a moment for you to put uh, press pause and go, okay, maybe there is something wrong with me that I need to deal with. I know Michelle said, okay, yeah, none of you have anything inherently wrong with you, but, but I think so many of us, you're right, babe, it was the perfect answer. So many of us, <laughs> What we inherently do is go from guy to guy, girl to girl, and it's when we're doing that, we need other people around us that are gonna keep it 100 with us and tell us, no, what you're doing is wrong, and you do need to look within your life and call out some stuff. So I, I think that, yes, to y'all's point, spot on, but we've gotta take inventory, lean in. Yeah, and I would, add, I would add to that, um, don't throw them under the bus. Here's the reason why. Proverbs 26.20 says, when you remove wood from a fire, the fire goes out. When you remove words from a gossip, a quarrel will cease. Sometimes the worst thing you can do when you break up with someone, you want to do it in a godly way, is to, is to continue to talk bad about them. It is hard to separate from someone without making them the villain, because if you can make them the villain, then you don't have to examine yourself, because they're all bad. Very good. And so, so, so quit talking about them. Okay, it'll, the fire will die down if you quit talking about them. The more you talk about them, the more you kill them, the more you talk about how terrible they are and make sure everyone knows and post your little passive-aggressive on social media. We all know what it's about, but you, you don't really say their name. But, oh, narcissist, blah, 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 blah. It's like, we know what you're talking about. Stop it. Stop doing all that. You're feeding a fire in you, and it's not helping you. Quit talking bad about them and ju uh, ju just shut up. Okay, it's one of the best things you can do is just, is just quit talking. That's good. And again, me changing the subject. Here we go. I'm giving you a chance. Ready? When is it healthy to begin opening up about sex and physical sexual expectations in a relationship? And then here's another part to it. As a married couple, how do you navigate if you have different expectations? When you say <laughs> expectations, um, so <laughs> I, I'm not sure exactly. I'm going to answer this in two different ways. Uh, one, we, we talked about this in the sex message. Like, you should be talking about, like, what your boundaries are in the beginning. I know it's, like, a weird first date, but it, if you get it out there, like, it's better to just – I mean, once you're dating, it's like, hey, these, these are my boundaries. This is what we're, we're not going to do with this. We're going to hang out, all those kind of things. Sexual expectations, um, that, that's not a conversation that you're going to have until you're engaged probably because you don't need to talk, be talking about what you're – expecting there um but but it is something to be talking about something that you talk about in premarital counseling and all these things like it's something that you you do want to talk about and in, and in marriage you have to talk about on a regular basis because i mean as much as people like to talk about like oh it's just oh just a great sex life like it's 
marriage is seasons. There, there's things that you go through. You have kids. You, you go through different seasons in time. There has to be something that you regularly talk about. And you talk about your expectations. That's why I talk about, guys, like a good sex life is a byproduct of a good communication life. Because when you can talk about it and when you can express these things, you're more likely to have a good sex life. It's not just something that you just have. So sex is a byproduct of a good marriage that has good communication. I know a lot of times you, you hear all these horror stories and you have all these things on, on social media and all that talk about the guys that just never have sex. Well, they probably never talk either. And so it, it's something that goes with that. And so it's a marriage. It's a byproduct of a good marriage. To bounce off of that, just as far as the boundaries, you know, I think, yeah, having your boundaries, drawing that line. But the goal is never to see how close you can get to that line. The goal is to protect that line. So stay as far away from it as you need to, to protect that line, to protect your relationship, so that you are having a godly relationship as he has designed it to be, and waiting for marriage. And, you know, as far as when to have those conversations, I definitely think in premarital counseling, that's when that, you've decided to marry, get married, so that is going to be a part of your life, and that's when you start having that communication with your counselor, your pastor, but, you know, coming in from you know, in our relationship, just pretty naive, honestly, and just not, I don't even need to know, what do you mean expectations? I don't know what to expect. And so, you know, at that time, we're like, yeah, we do it all the time. It's great. So, but that's not realistic. But reading the books, if you are getting to that, <laughs> all right, too much information, but um, <laughs> getting to that point of just, to, knowledge is power. And if you just have no idea, two great books. Um, written by the same author. I don't even know what her name is. Shanti, there you go. For women, yes, he does. For women only and for men only. They're like the shortest books ever, but we both read them both. And so just for me to even understand what's coming from a guy and his perspective and his mindset and all the things and what his expectations may or may not be, and then from him as well. And so those were just two very enlightening books. If that is your next step in your relationship is marriage, and hopefully your counselor would even recommend that you guys read those. Um, but that is just something in marriage you will constantly be communicating about. And again, like we said earlier, any topic that you're not willing to discuss, you know, that's where we'll put the lid in your relationship, and that's for sure not what you want to do. That's good. That's good. Uh, and so I'm going to direct it to this side of the of the stage. So we live in a world that's, you know, the, the biggest apps out there, Hinge, you know, we got Tinder, we got Bumble. So how, how as Christians should we navigate in an online dating kind of world? You forgot the Christian dating apps. Christian Name them, uh, guys. What, what are they? Christian Mingle. Holy. Farmers, Farmers only. only. Yes. Farmers <laughs> only. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of experience yeah, in the app, so. It's okay. Neither do I. Anyways, um, here's what I'll say. Uh, I think I'll be pointed here with my response to this. I think it's uber important. Uh, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, you can't online date. It's an absolute sin. I know so many people. I shouldn't say so many. I know several people, even here in the exchange, that have met uh, their spouse or soon-to-be spouse through online dating platforms. Um, so uh, I won't shun that. I won't say you need to stay away, but I will say uh, you need to walk in wisdom when it comes with online dating. Why? Because people can lie behind a profile, and people do lie behind profiles. So I think that we've got to really lean into asking the right questions and avoid dating in the dark. I think online dating is one of the easiest ways to date in the dark 
because I think socially it, it kind of has this like uh, negative notion attached to it and so many people kind of retreat and keep it to themselves and then down the road they open up to the friends. Well, you know, I have someone in my life that I'm getting to know. No, like you need to, from the get-go, invite some people into that decision and make sure that they're walking alongside of you on the journey. That's what I would say to that. Anyone else want to add to it? No? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say Wrong. you can only use online dating profiles as long as your uh, what you're looking for doesn't change depending on how late at night it is and how bad you feel. And so, and that's what I see happen so often. And I've even seen this many times with, with, with a lot of people is they start to feel bad about themselves so they start swiping right more. Um, and so, cause I just want somebody to like me and then I start talking to somebody cause nobody's talking to me at church and nobody likes me at the exchange so I'm gonna find somebody else. And so as long as your, your, your standards don't change, then that's fine. But if you find yourself constantly changing your standards just to feel that like, that high of somebody matching with you, then that's a problem. That's good. Question, and this is open for anybody, but I do wanna hear from this side. This is a hot topic because a lot of people ask the same question. Should guys and girls be friends? If yes, how do you have healthy boundaries? Anyone? I think it's a hard question to answer. Um, can guys and girls be friends one-on-one? -on -one? I don't think so. Um, somebody is always going to fall for the other person. Like, it just, it just happens. The minute you start spending time alone with each other um, is when one or the other is going to be like, oh, no, I thought we were friends. The other one's like, oh, my gosh, I thought you liked me, you know? And then it's just weird and it's awkward. Um, I actually asked my son, who's 20, this question today. I'm like, so do you think guys and girls can be friends? His answer was like, in a group setting, yeah. I think guys and girls can be friends in group settings, absolutely. One-on-one, um, -on -one, someone's gonna get hurt. Um, so, but, you know, I, I think there's just so much gray. I think if you do have guys and girls friends, just, just make sure you have really, really great boundaries. Um, and I will say, from a single person working at a church um, and being at church and like working there for the last uh, 13 years and being single around pastors, that you know had wives like it was my number one thing to make sure that never would a wife feel uncomfortable with me being around their husband like ever like i remember when i met pastor mike came into the church um and like quickly we became friends and he became friends with my kids the the my next question was like i can't wait to meet leanne and then leanne and i became best friends you know and mike is just like no you know, just kidding. <laughs> but I feel like I have really crazy, like really good boundaries. Never in a car alone with a guy, whether he's married or not married. Like I would never want to be getting out of a car and someone look at me and be like, what was that all about? Like never put yourself in a situation where someone's gonna ask questions unless you have a really good answer. Um, so I think if you have really great boundaries, I think you can be friends with guys and girls can be friends with guys and guys, you know, vice versa. But you have, to you have to come into that really strong. In a group setting, I think it's great. Of course we can all be friends, you know? But once you start spending that alone time together and you're in your head, you're like, oh, we're just friends. And I think you said it when we were talking about this earlier. Someone's gonna start using the other person. Like, oh, this is great. Like someone I can talk to all the time. Someone that's there for me. I don't really like them, but they're like that person that you can call when you're lonely. 
and then that other person starts feeling like, oh, but I really like that person. Um, and that's when it can get really dangerous, and I don't feel like it's, it, it's godly, and I think it's hurtful at the end. You're, someone's going to get hurt. And I would say that one of the best things that you can do for your marriage is learn how to get along with your same sex because it, it does, oh, it absolutely yeah. changes when you're married. Like the people, when they cheat, the number one person that they cheat with is somebody close to them, not like some random person. And so you need to be able to have a relationship with your same sex. And actually that's a red flag if they don't have that ability. Um, and, and so it, it's not that you can't, it's just your best and closest friends should be of your same sex. Good. And so, Mark Michelle, I want to ask you guys this. So we talked about sexual and physical boundaries. So what does it look like to have emotional and spiritual boundaries in a relationship? And is there such a thing as oversharing? Yeah, can you say the last part? I didn't hear you saying. So, so the last part is, is there such a thing as oversharing? When you're talking about spiritual, emotional boundaries, what does that look like in a relationship? Yes. The short answer is yes. I, I do really think there is some things overshare um, because I think we can rely a lot on sharing all this stuff that we or the revelation we have from scripture and all that stuff with this person but are you going to God about it first is the intimate relationship you're trying to form with Christ first or is it with this person um, you know it's sometimes you know when you're best with your best friend the things you talk about you only talk about that with your best friend right so the things I talk about with God, I just, I want to keep that between us. There's, there's things, scripture even says, it's good, it's good to keep things between you and the Lord. Like that, that's just something that you hold dear, near and dear to your heart. So do I think we can overshare? Absolutely. Um, boundaries, that's another thing. As you can see, a common thing that we've been mentioning is boundaries. So I think it's also having those boundaries of not telling this person everything that God's revealing to you, you know, like. Maybe God did reveal something to you, but have you prayed about it? Like, have you actually spoken to God? Hey, did I hear you right, God? Or, hey, you know, I, 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 I think I got this from you. I'm going to go ahead and do it and tell this person. It's like, no, like, where is your intimacy with God? Um, listen, I know this is a relationship series and we're loving it. Um, but relationships, the marriage essentially, the goal, that's a luxury. I love my husband and I love my daughter. I love them so much, but they are a luxury. My first relationship is with God. Yeah. And if that relationship is not where it needs to be, I mean, Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God, and yeah. the rest shall follow. Amen. The rest includes relationship. So if that's not right, I think the, if there's one thing you get tonight. If your relationship with God, truly, if you do not have an intimate relationship with God, not that you just know about him. Atheists know about God. I mean, let's be honest. If you don't have a, a deep, intimate relationship where you are having a daily dependence on God, like you are thirsty for him every day, I would suggest that you're not ready to date. Because then you're not going to know and exercise the way that God has designed that relationship to, to be. And just to clarify, when I said what I said, I <laughs> meant, like, if you think you're ugly or if you think you're not good enough. All right. Quick answer. Thank you. Good, good answer. Um, I would say, in addition to that, and I know we're running low on time. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I would say, adding to that, um, when when I think of, when I think about that question, uh, what we see oftentimes, especially in the church and in the Christian realm, is like guys want to spiritually impress a woman, right? We we try to we try to like blurt out all of this Christianese and church language and all this biblical stuff. And, and I go, 
I mean, man, maybe that's really in your heart, but but ladies, like, if, if that's clearly, like, something that you're taking to, like, a repetitive pattern you see, I would really, really lean into that. Like, I'm studying the book of Revelation right now, and I'm thinking about one of the seven churches that Jesus calls out, and he's like, yo, you've got all this Christian energy, and you talk the talk, but really deep down in your heart, there's a lot that is in shambles. And I think so often we kind of gravitate to that, and we don't even reckon it. We start splurting out all this Christianese and all this good Christian lingo, but really deep down, uh, there's some stuff at the core that we need to deal with. So I would say you got to lean into that. The last thing I'd say is that that person, that person should not be spiritually guiding you yeah. at all. Your only spiritual guidance should be God and your accountability, your yeah. inner circle. Sorry that we're just, you know, grabbing the mic and going back and forth playing tennis over here. But I will also say, <laughs> okay, um, just really practical and, and straight to the point. When it comes to the emotional, Pastor Helen Christy did a fantastic job speaking about that last week. If you missed last week, go back to the podcast and listen to it. I think they gave us really practical and good framework to look at when it comes to emotional boundaries. Um, and I think it would really help you. That's what I'll say. I just, I just like in that answer, Pastor Mark, how you're like, Hey, don't let them spout out all this Christianese. And then you said, I've been studying the book of Revelation lately. <laughs> I'm like, I think you just did that. I think I think Michelle just got a little more attracted to you right there. That was really good. Over here. <laughs> I mean, he's fine. So. <laughs> all right. So this is going to be the last question, and I'm going to open up to the entire panel. So what is one thing that God is using at this moment in your life that is helping you become a better spouse or a better follower of Jesus that you would want others to know about. And we'll start over here with you, Pastor Mike, and work our way down. Great. Do we all get to answer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I would say what God is doing. So the the verse that has stuck with me probably for the last couple of years it has to do with marriage and relationships is Ephesians five twenty one. It says, "Submit yourselves." Um, to each other out of reverence for Christ. For me, the idea that if you as a couple can consistently put the other person's needs, wants, and desires in marriage, okay, let me clarify some of that, but if you can say your needs, your wants, your desires, your preferences, the way that you fold the laundry, the way you want me to fold the laundry, the way you want me to put the dishes away, if, if you can say your needs, wants, and desires are more important than mine, I'm going to submit my preferences to your preferences. If two people can do that in a relationship, that, like for me, that has been the thing. So looking at and not going, no, this is just the way we do it. That consistent submission to each other, I feel like that is the key. Like that is one of the greatest key. If you want to have a, a successful marriage, I think that is such a huge part to it of you're constantly trying to serve the other and prefer, and prefer the other person above yourself mm -hmm. that's a really good answer <laughs> it does he does a good job at that <laughs> most of the time we're all a work in progress right <laughs> um yeah i say that's something we're both working on i think again just kind of that combined with communication and just making sure that we talk through things and i don't assume anything um, and realizing that our relationship is also a representation of, you know, Christ with the rest of us, of just, you know, of serving him is serving God. And, and that being kind of that my filter 
Um, and just realizing, you know, there were definitely moments of, I don't feel like it. And that is when I am just put my depravity and like, I am selfish. I am human. That is not what God wants for me or for us or for our family. And also knowing that we have our boys watching our relationship and our marriage and that just being so, so, so important for them to be able to see how we work through things, how we have conflict, how we love each other, how we talk through things. So, yeah. I would say for me, um, I definitely try to be intentional about inviting the Holy Spirit in every day because without the Holy Spirit, I can't do this. Um, I need to lean into him and try to cultivate an awareness of his presence and everything. And by that, I mean when he is prompting me to shut my mouth, to shut my mouth. When he is prompting me to give him space to process because he's an internal processor and I'm an external processor. When he is prompting me to appreciate um, something that the enemy would want me to see as a weakness in him, um, but really is a strength for me, right? Because that's how it happens in communication. When we have communication breakdown, it's usually because someone is either operating um, out of a, a different strength or a weakness that you don't have, which causes tension, um, or you just communicate differently, but just really allowing space for the differences, but then being able to be like, hey, like, God brought us together for a reason. Obviously, we chose each other, keeping God first. So there's things in you that I need. And so being able to listen to the Holy Spirit and be like, hey, what is it I'm supposed to be learning in this moment? Is there anything for me to learn when we're in an argument um, or there's a tension? Um, really submitting to that and then acting on that is, is what's been something that I've tried to be more intentional about walking out. I feel like it was just, man, I really need the Holy Spirit just to get along with my husband. Thank you. Um, wow. I don't feel better after that. Okay. Um, so I, I think the thing that uh, has affected us the most in this, la this last season is being very purposeful in time um, with just each other. And this is more of a, I guess this is kind of advice down the road, but we've got kids, we've got, um, we fostered all that kind of stuff, is being very purposeful and selfish with our own time. Um, we just went on a cruise uh, by ourselves. It's funny. We were sitting next to people that brought their kids on their cruise. They're like, you didn't bring your kids? You don't feel bad? I'm like, not at all, <laughs> especially watching you guys. Um, but, uh, but it is. I, I think that's one of the things that many, many times a lot of maybe your parents didn't, didn't show you and all that kind of stuff because a lot of marriages, when they don't go well, they start to just focus on the kids and they focus on you and not on themselves. Like your marriage comes first and you have the ability to show that to your kids. And so it was kind of fun. Like our kids were like, you're, you're leaving us. We're like, yeah, because we love each other. And we asked for, my, my son, my mom asked my son, so what are they going to do on the cruise? And he's like, they're just going to lay on the bed and kiss each other all the time. Like, that sounds good. Um, but you have to have that time. And that's the thing. When you get married and life starts to be crazy and things start to happen, you have to continue to put each other first and be very purposeful in that time. I think in this season for me, um, what God is really showing me, and I think for me, like, just being, I, you know, I'm a mom of three kids, but they're, um, you know, one's out of the house, uh, the other one's about to leave the house, um, and I've got three more years, and then they'll all be out. So I think for me, um, it's really finding out who I am without always having to be a mom, you know? Um, and walking in that. 
and being really content, you know? Um, and, and so I really, for me, it's looking at the singles in the room and really leaning into this moment. It's not fun being single, I get it. There's not happiness, I get it. But if you're in that season right now, um, like lean into it. Like find like time to like really, like you said, like really have this intimate time with, with Christ before you get into a relationship where it gets busy, before you get married and you have all the kids, you know, running around and asking for all your attention all the time. Like this is such a sweet moment for you um, to really lean in and really understand who God created you to be. Um, and so, you know, I, I always go back and like, I wish I would have done that, but I, I, you know, I feel like I, I'm doing that now. Um, and so that's it. And really when I, you know, when I became single and I was still super young, I mean, I could have definitely dated and I could definitely have remarried and uh, all that kind of thing. Um, but I want to, I want to say like, I leaned into what God was calling me to do. And he did not call me into, like, dating. And he didn't call me into getting remarried. Um, so many people ask me that. Like, are you scared? Or, like, what, you know, do you we have walls around? I'm like, no, I don't have any walls. Like, yes, if a, an amazing guy came along, I'd be like, yeah, scoop him right up. Um, but God really called me to be a mom at that season. Um, and that was 13 years ago. Um, just to be a single mom and raise, there were two, four, and six, and to raise them. Like, and I was obedient to that. I was obedient to saying, you know, because what my flesh wanted was, yes, I wanted to feel loved. I want relationships. I wanted all of those things. But I am so glad that I was obedient to what God had called me to do these last three years because I see so much fruit in it now, so much fruit. So be patient. Wait for it. Like, wait for it. You're not old. You're not going to, like, you know, it, like, just be patient. And then you'll get into it, and you'll see the fruit, and you'll be like, you know what? Thank you, because now I can look at my life and be like, I am so glad that I was obedient to God and did what God called me to do. Um, and for me, it was raising my kids. For you, it's different because you're a different season. But for me, it was raising my kids, and now I can look at my kids, and I know that they're going to have healthy relationships. Yeah. I know that they, first and foremost, love Jesus. And I was super intentional. I wanted them to love Jesus. I wanted them to love the church. And I wanted them to love family. And I can, you know, and they are all not thrown yet. But I, I think I can safely say that they, they are that. And so be, <laughs> so if you're single, I'm just going to encourage you to lean into it. I know it's not fun, but make it fun. Like, make it fun. Lean into it. Get to know yourself, like, deeply. And get to know who God created you to be. So then when you step into that relationship, that guy or that girl is seeing the best you because it's who God created you to be. And that, I, I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited for you guys. It's fun to see people, like, you know, get, become couples and like, oh, yeah, you got the best, you got the best me because I am leaned in and I know who I am and I know who God created me to be. Very good. Um, you know, I kind of just want to weigh into the men uh, for a second. And, you know, last week I was, I was meeting with one of our young adult guys here and he asked me the question, you know, he's new, newly in a relationship, dating, getting to know a girl. And he asked me, Pastor Mark, what's the most important thing in this season? And um, I think men, and even important for women, is having a, uh, a vision for what you desire your future to look like now. Uh, having a vision, having an idea as to what you want to be remembered for. Like, I think so many of us, uh, when it comes to this idea of relationships and dating, we speak about fantasy a lot. 
But like, man, define what does it look like to have a legacy, to leave a legacy? And I think, men, the thing I want to speak to um, is God's called you to be the head. He's called you to be the head. And I want you to sense the weight of that responsibility. I think about Ephesians chapter 5 that tells us to love our wives as Christ has loved the church. And each and every one of you as men, you need to start feeling the weight of that today. Don't go flippantly living this season of your life. You need to define what is it that I want to be remembered as. And I hope in the future you'll be remembered as a man of sacrifice, a man that lived in service to your spouse. And I think so easily, I even think in my marriage today, I'm still learning that. I think about the little daughter, nine-month-old daughter that I have. This is a season of sacrifice for me. I'm learning like, man, Mark, you can't live on the golf course. You can't go fishing all the time, you know? Like, start learning. What do I value today? And what am I going to be remembered as in the future? So define that for yourself. What's the vision? And what's my legacy? What's the future legacy that I want to be remembered for? Um, I'll make mine quick. So for me, um, discussed it with uh, my freedom group this morning, which if you're not in freedom, we'll talk afterwards. It's an amazing group. Um, but for me, it's understanding how, so how am I trying to be a better wife to Mark? How am I being a better wife to, um, to my spouse? And that's essentially, we discussed this morning, it's understanding that the needs you have, God gave you those needs, but he gave you those needs for him to fill, not for man to fill or for woman to fill. But God gave you those needs so that he can fill them, but so my spouse can add on to them. So the need for me to be loved, the need for me to be seen, the need for me to be cared for and led, that needs to be filled fully from Christ. And then Mark adds on to that. Um, so yeah, that's my two cents. Just real quick, um, Holy Spirit was definitely impressing on me as I am a boy mom. I just want to say to all the men in the room, we need you to lead. We need you to lead. And I apologize for the way that culture um, has put you in a box and put you down and said that, you know, kind of this, this wave of feminism that, you know, women can, can do what you can, we can't do what you can. God has called you to be men and he has called us to be women. And yes, we are equal and we are both made in the image of God, but we need you to be exactly who God has created you to be. We need you to be fearless. We need you to be risk takers and we need you to be thinking about building that legacy for your family. So don't sit down, stand up. Hey, I think uh, we're, we're gonna close out now. We're gonna kind of break out and we're gonna pray. And then after that, Lindsay's gonna give us some instructions. So I just wanna pray um, over each and every one of you in the room today, every head bowed, every eye closed, all across the room. And if you just feel comfortable, I just feel led to do this. If you just feel comfortable putting your hands out like you're receiving uh, something from God, I just believe God wants to impart and, and deposit something in you right now. Wherever you find yourself, whether single, dating, engaged, or married, I believe the Holy Spirit has something for you. So, Father, right now, you see each and every person in this room, God, and you know exactly what they need. So, Father, I just ask you, Father, that you would just give them a whisper, bring them a sign, bring them something, Lord. It helps them understand wherever they find themselves today, God, you are there. And God, you're faithful. Maybe there's somebody in the room today that's wrestling with, with some sin that they feel like they can't uncover. I just want to remind you, he is the God who is faithful to restore you right where you are. You could talk to him and find healing. 
you can talk to him and you can find freedom. So, Father, right now, we confess our sins, God. We make them known to you, God. We reveal those things to you, God. We choose to stop concealing and reveal it to you. And we ask you, Lord, for forgiveness. We ask you, Lord, for freedom. We ask you, Lord, that you would heal our hearts. God, I know as we close out this series, there's so many things that we spoke to, and maybe someone in the room feels like they're not just carrying baggage, but they are their baggage. I pray, God, that you would bring healing and freedom to their heart right now. Lord, they're not their sin. They're not their shame. They're not their past. They're not what they allowed to happen to them. Lord, remind them their identity is found in you. They are you, who you say they are, Lord. And God, right now, I pray for future marriages. God, I think about all the hysteria and the craze that we see with divorces at an all-time high right now. God, we pray that men would understand what it means to be a man of God. Way before the altar, Lord, let us feel the responsibility and the weight of that. Let us not take that mantle for granted, Lord. God, would you call out sin within our hearts? God, would you call out things within us that don't belong there, God? Would we be men that would speak Psalm 139, Lord, search my heart and call out anything within me? And God, I pray for the women in the room today. Lord, would we understand that we are created in the image of your son, Jesus? We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we have everything that we need in you. I pray, Lord, that you would meet each and every heart, that you would remind us of your truths, and that you would speak your love and your peace and your favor and your mercy and your grace over us. Let us leave better than we came. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... And everyone Amen. said? Amen. All right, we love you so much.